Okay, so Simon, thank you so much for being here on Strong Startup Podcast. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself to the audience just in a short tweet so people can get to know who you are and what you're doing? Very happy to. My tweet will be Simon Ingeke, creating a sustainable world through the power of people and better innovation. Okay, fantastic. Very nice uh, summarized tweet, very well prepared. Um, so I'd love to dive in now because, you know, battery is, batteries in general are a hot topic. Uh, I think it's uh, the, the transition in particularly with ele electronic vehicles and um, going from, from gas to electronics is something that's super, super powerful for the future and hopefully going to help us all with uh, autonomous vehicles in the future as well as also um, moving more towards a sustainable um, industry. So could you tell me a little bit about why batteries are so important? because I don't have a background in this, but I know you do. So if you could tell me in the audience, uh, yeah, like why are batteries so important that you're going to dedicate your whole company, your whole business around this? Yeah, happy to. I mean, I can give many motivations why, but I think maybe the first thought will be, what would be your life right now without batteries? Um, we probably wouldn't even have this call. Maybe we did because we would have a stationary computer. But, um, you know, if you want to give me a call, you would need your phone with your batteries. Um, if you now want to go into mobility, right? Like a lot of these scooters you might ride, electric bikes, maybe your future a nice electric car or car sharing. Um, so I think it already today is quite important for all of us, really. You know, I think no household really, probably from anybody watching this, won't have a battery in the household. And also lithium iron, not just the old school like AA batteries with the, you know, maybe single use, et cetera, but actually rechargeable batteries are really part of our daily life. But this is really just a starting point, right? I think if we look now on the two main areas for um, which we develop for climate change, which is one is the mobility, it's a big emitter, but another one is also um, energy grids and electricity in general. Um, these two are really like, you know, highly connected to energy storage. So one in the mobility sector, right? Be it your standard EV or all these other ways of transportation going to be um, you know, have, we have to find ways to store the energy for them. So batteries seems to be the, the, the way we're going to do that. And also for grids, right? We have all the renewable energies we want to have in the grid and we have to buffer them somehow. Um, there's m many ways you can try doing that, but I think what is kind of coming quite clear that batteries going to have a really big part of that as well. So I think just kind of as someone who's very concerned about climate change, I kind of identified it as, I think, my personal perspective as the biggest roadblock. I personally did this decision after high school, like the end of high school. Um, and I was kind of thinking about what would be the most important topics for my lifetime. And funny enough, at the time, I decided it's either going to be um, pandemics and vaccine development, or it's going to be climate change and energy storage. And funny enough, I actually started in pandemic research and pandemic vaccine research. I was fortunate to go to the US, work a bit there, learn. And to be honest, I, there's multiple reasons why I decided against that. One was that you had to go to a laboratory every 12 hours because your cells would die otherwise. Um, and then I joined the battery field where you have battery cells and they also die, but they, you know, they, they last much longer and you don't have to go to the laboratory all the time. And it kind of fit my, my thinking of how I wanted to have like a way of life as well, a bit better. And I also thought actually climate change probably going to overall going to be a bigger issue um, for, for my generation or for our generation um, in the long term. Cool. Little did you know that we'd be living in a COVID world right now, right? <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. I mean, fun fact, I got an email about a few months ago from my old high school uh, where they told me, you know, that my, my biology teacher reread my high school thesis, which was literally how to mitigate pandemics with um, efficient um, vaccine research and developments. And it's crazy. And I wrote this thesis and they told me that we read it and they said, you know, probably more people should have read it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a, it was a great so you comment, were like a, I guess. You, you were a visionary back in high school, right? <laughs> Strangely, it seems this way. I mean, to be honest, I mean, even then it wasn't, I mean, it's not that surprising even 10 years ago that something like this would happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, of course, the scale I wouldn't have never imagined, but um, it was to the time of it is fine for et cetera, which of course didn't turn out as bad in many, many levels. But I think, yeah, it's not completely surprising, let's say, that, yeah. that things like this could happen. Absolutely. I think even Bill yeah. Gates had a very famous uh, keynote, right, from like maybe five, six, seven years ago, which talked about the next big global crisis would be something regarding vaccinations or something regarding, say, a, a virus similar to, to Corona. But um, very interesting. Uh, one thing I, I noticed on what your story, uh, what you said in your story there was kind of how reflective you were um, all the way back in high school. Um, that's a pretty big decision to make to say, OK, where what path am I going to take for the rest of my life? Like, were you always like that or? you know, always contemplating and seeing the bigger picture? Or was there something that kind of stimulated you to say, okay, look, there's a fire inside me, I want to have a purpose? Uh, because for young people, it's kind of unusual to, to, to have that drive at such a young age, right? 
I guess so, but I think for me, I mean, I always have been active. I mean, my first kind of venture in some way would be um, in poetry, actually, poetry publishing. Oh, wow. I was like the first, and then we did artist collectors and a consultancy project, and all kinds of things. And I think I was always active, I always tried things, so I think it wasn't that clear. But for me, it was quite clear that I always really enjoyed, at least from um, high school, I really enjoyed chemistry and physics. And I thought mm -hmm. this really came to me, but also biology. I loved the sciences, and I always thought at one day I'm going to use these sciences for my career. Well, till then, I wanted to just get lots of experiences from all these subjects I felt are important as well. So I really believed in like business and politics and policy making is very important for doing like a sustainable you know, implementation of technology and real like breakthroughs in a way. So I really tried to get some experience there, but I always enjoyed chemistry, physics, and that's why I kept this. And then I was really like, you know, searching for the right applications. And actually, with 10 years, I got like a little fuel cell toy for my dad. Um, which was really fun. It was like, a, like I could get at the time, like a little fuel cell car. And I played around with this a lot. I had, that's why actually I looked, I looked into fuel cells and hydrogen before, and then actually like dig into it more deeply, um, realized it wouldn't make sense, you know, for the yeah. um, mobility applications. And it's kind of also funny again now to see, right? I mean, all this news coming up again, and it's the same arguments, right? In some way I was kind of digging at the time. So I think it's not novel. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I just loved learning at the time. And I was always thinking, it's nice if you do something you feel like it's meaningful, right? So I think that's that's yeah. something I think it stuck with me for a while. Absolutely. Cool. And I think, you know, your example of just posing the question of like, how would your life be right now without a battery? And um, that 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 definitely struck me if we go back to to, to batteries and, and why this is such an important focus for you and for, and for the world and for the future of sustainability. So um, this hit me quite hard. So it's very interesting. Uh, I, I depend quite a lot on batteries. You just don't realize it, right? Because it's in our everyday life. So maybe we can move to what exactly you're doing with Battery Associates, your company, uh, to be able to improve or accelerate or solve problems in the space of, of batteries. Maybe you could give us a little bit of an insight there of what you're doing, please. I would love to. I mean, I think, first of all, I mean, it, it kind of was my treat, right? I mean, I, I I blandly copied our mission statement, <laughs> but I think it's very much into, you know, which drives myself, but also the company. I mean, so the mission really is to create a sustainable world through the power of people and better innovation and people comes first, right? That's very clear to us. So we're very community or group driven or people driven. Um, so we, in the long term, we really want to take away all the roadblocks which are stopping better innovation or hindering better innovation um, today or also at any future time. So, um, so that's kind of like our lens on the thing, right? So we're looking at the, at the battery or the energy and the energy access and these kind of landscapes. And we're thinking about what are the roadblocks for making this as efficient or as positive to the world as it can be from, you know, mm. decarbonization aspects, but also ethical aspects um, from, you know, job perspectives and all these kind of topics. So we're really yeah. looking from a lens, how can we optimize that? And when we started, we actually started with having our own, let's say, little battery day, which we did one day after the Tesla battery day, which I can tell you was really a smart move. Um, <laughs> Good branding. Lots of attention. Um, and that's really how we got started. We had lots of people attending in four eight days. We had like, was it kind of like a hackathon or something like that? Or what did it was you like a, It was like a one-day, three-hour event or something. You know, It was just okay. like a three-hour event, um, like conference kind of thing. Not like online. We did it on, like, on an online platform. It was interactive. And nice. This was really like hacked together, like, you know, in 10 days or so. And I know my friends at the time thought I'm crazy because I was like, it's fine. You know, it's, it's going to be good. And it was great. You know, we, of course, not everything went perfect, but I think at least the outside looked more perfect than in the back end. I, I can tell that one. <laughs> it's always uh, like front facing beautifulness and in the back, it's like chaos, yeah. right? I was very surprised when I watched the video recording afterwards, like, wow, this looks actually quite good. Um, <laughs> so this was, was a good experience in many ways. But I think what came out of that is we had lots of people writing me saying, hey, they want to help in any way, right? This is new mm -hmm. battery associates. And at the time, I was also still working with another company. And um, the idea really was to, you know, just kind of trying to bring people together, you know, and trying to, because one thing I learned from before, I've been fortunate to, you know, do my PhD in Cambridge, to also be a fellow from the World Economic Forum for the Global Future Council, you know, be involved, like going to Davos, having all these interactions, all these people. And I, I always really believe in, you know, bringing people together is the best approach to kind of bridging some of these gaps and, and creating solutions which otherwise don't happen. And so Battery Associates, we really started off, um, you know, bringing these people together. We had ambassadors, um, community managers, and now we grew to about 80 people. And I can talk about this later as well um, from a community aspect. And like the first kind of thing we did was, yeah, um, was a product called the Battery MBA, which I might want to talk about a bit later as well. Um, so really what we're trying to do is to, you know, foster battery innovation globally um, mm. by 
essentially empowering people. Yep. That's really, and then we have different ways to do that. Yeah. Fantastic. I just want to hit on the point that you said, like, you know, that community is at the heart and people are at the heart of what you do. I think that's so important. And it's so overlooked by entrepreneurs who think they can just go and do it by themselves, right? I think you have a little bit of that in you that you probably got started on your own, or you were, of course, the main driver, but you can't do it alone if you really Not want to all. build something big, right? Yeah. No, I think it's been really, that's that's so true, right? Like you can't, and, you know, I think how I see my role, for example, as a founder or something, it's really about de-risking ideas, right? Yeah. So I think what I love to do is I love to build the first really, really crappy MVP or just be confident this can be done. You know, not they don't have to build it, but at least if I can convince myself it's possible, I usually can also convince others, right? Um, so um, I think that's the most, most important job. And then, yeah, this community aspect is important. I can tell you, for example, we are now doing things where I speak to other founders. I'm like, why haven't you done this? And I'm like, I didn't have the skill set to do this. And I was like, right. And I, and I didn't have the money to hire someone. Like, right. And it was like, me neither on both accounts, right? But I have now volunteers who are doing it with us, um, which I'm extremely grateful and super, you know, amazed by this is possible that we have been, we're doing it. But I think, um, yeah, I think that's the thing, right? Like a community can really complement you in so many ways from like insights, from skill sets. So I think kind of thinking about like, what is, who cares about what you're doing, right? I think that's the kind of first yeah. question. And then you have to build, I think any company, right? should build something other people care about. Yeah. And in my opinion, if you can build something people care so much about that they're willing to volunteer their time, then you're on a really interesting track, right? Because it means there is a massive demand um, for something like this. There's a other question, how can you make money from this? And this I think can be challenging at times, but I think just if you really solve real problems and people do, are willing enough to donate their time, then I think you will probably work on the real problem. So that's, that's quite cool. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's a really fantastic piece of advice. You know, I, I hear that a lot from startups that they, they can't find someone to join their team. Either they have their own uh, high level of criteria and requirements. Uh, I don't know, they need a CTO that has 10 years experience that, you know, is going to leave their 80,000 euro per year job to come work on this startup that's super high risk. So maybe yep. you could talk a little bit about just, just very briefly, it's kind of off the top of my head, but is there anything you did to kind of de-risk uh, everything or is there anything you did in communication wise? Because I think that is often a very big roadblock for um, how entrepreneurs can get other people on board, whether it's a customer, a community, or like a co-founder. So was there anything you did in the beginning that kind of helped to stimulate the first, second, third person to kind of jump on, jump on board your ship? That's interesting. I think, I mean, there's, there's different, I think, motivations. I think one thing is, you know, some people are scared that this, what you're doing, going to go wrong, right? And they don't want to, people, some people really don't want to be affiliated with failure. And for these people, I would always say, you know, please blame it on me, right? If this, for example, this battery day, if it goes wrong, I always told people, just say it was my fault. Like, literally, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't worry. Like, just say, Simon. It's very generous of you, Simon. This up. No, but I think it's, that's what you should do as a founder, right? You should tell yeah. everyone. If this goes wrong, just put it on my name and I'm not afraid of failure. So at least, you know, I think I learned, you know, you, you get over this. So I think just like tell people and that helps people a lot because people are scared yeah. this is going to go wrong. And I think it's fair because, you know, I think there's a real opportunity, like a real chance to go wrong. So if you can be confident enough to say, you know, but you believe in it, just say other people, you know, if it goes wrong, just blame me. It was Simon's stupid idea. He messed it up. You know, I was just trying really to help him. Great. You know, I think that's that's a good approach for people who's scared. Um, and especially I think people coming from corporate sectors have this often as yeah. you know, they don't really used to failure. I think as entrepreneur, you're really used to failure. So that's a bit of a different thinking. Um, another thing, of course, you build relationships with people right over a long time. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm very fortunate, lots of people now involved. I know them for years. Um, but also, to be honest, like even these two ambassadors joined us the first time. I didn't know them at all. They were like two people who just joined us battery day. And they both sent me, it was actually funny, both of them, and I, I love them dearly. They're both one of the most incredible people we are fortunate to work with. And I think, so they sent me like LinkedIn messages right after individually and saying like, they just want to help. And they're just, actually, no, actually funny enough, they both asked me or one of, at least one, I don't remember the other one. Quite a few people asked me about if I can mentor them. Mm. So I get this a lot. I get like asked many, many times, you know, people ask me, can, can I mentor them? And I usually tell them, no, I can't, I don't have the time. I'm really sorry, but you could be involved in what I'm doing. And that will mean we're going to spend time together and I'm they happy can to learn you know, that way. Yeah, exactly. So this is actually what I offer them. So I remember now at least one of them, he asked me, can you be 
mentor me or you know advise me or whatever. I was like, you know, I can't, but you can join us. He's like, awesome, I will become a volunteer. Um, that's really like you know some way to do it. If you can draw enough attention to you that people want to learn from you, and then mm. just get them involved, right? Like make them part of it and give them ownership, right? Like create a role for them. That's how we came up with this ambassadorship. Yeah, um, because we didn't know what would be the structure before. Yeah, but the attraction obviously was from you taking action because you took the extreme responsibility. You know, I don't know if you know Jocko Willink. He talks a lot about this about extreme ownership or extreme responsibility. So you're the one that took the risk and you put yourself out there. And if it's a success, you make all the success. If it's a failure, you take on the failure. But you know, it was a success that particular day. You, you didn't just develop your idea in a, in, a, in a dungeon, in a basement somewhere. You you put yourself out there and created some value for some people that joined that particular battery day. And I think people start to kind of look at that and say, oh, wow, there's potential here. So that action, I think, really helped probably to create some visibility uh, for those volunteers and that community to get started, I guess, right? I guess so, yeah. And I think it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. You know, I think that's one thing also people don't think of sometimes, like, it can be really amazing what comes back to you, right? I think sometimes people are very scared of launching something because they wonder what will other people think of them. Hmm. My experience is actually the more crappy it is, the more help you get, right? Um, yep. This is just really something because people get very like, oh my God, you know, this person needs some help. Yeah, like, think, his website is terrible. I have to go exactly. and design yeah. his website. <laughs> yeah, just or like give him feedback or her or whatever. I think, so I think that's something, you know, you can actually use to your advantage in some way, right? I think yeah. if you have something too polished, I don't want to help someone who is already perfect. I mean, nobody wants to like, it feels like that feels less also like, you know, I think people love, I mean, that's the same for me, right? I mean, with my team, I love when people accelerate. Everyone loves that. Everyone loves to, to other see other people accelerate. Oh, sorry, I just have to. Um, There's your, your few notifications for requests yeah, for mentorship so. coming through. <laughs> I don't know. I was just thinking the same. I don't know. It's, it's, no worries. Yeah. But to be honest, actually the same thing just happened to me today on a much smaller scale, but you know, um, I released a video, uh, I do these like 30 second videos on TikTok that I repost on LinkedIn and someone just like checked out my video and then a founder and he went to my website, he saw something about the privacy policy, he said, look, you need to change your privacy policy and make sure it's visible on every page because for some reason it wasn't. And yep. I was like, that's amazing. Like, I mean, if I paid someone to look at my website, they might not catch that. So that's like super. But again, Absolutely. it goes back to being visible and being out there and having a presence, right? Yeah, and then I think, you know, once you, and then, I mean, but if I would be you, I would try to keep this person some way, right? I mean, what yeah, can yeah, you yeah. do to keep this person involved and, you know, reach out to them and say, this was super helpful, you know, and if I chat, it's my Zoom link, yeah. uh, you know, like booking link. I think um, you really want to keep these good people, right? Like, you know, people oh, yeah. who, I think that's that's nothing also overlooked. Sometimes people are like, oh, thank you very much. And then, you know, you go on. But actually, like really, you know, I, will, I mean, I always then look like, so who's this person? Uh, what's their vision? What's their mission? Is there some alignment? How yeah. we can help each other? Is are there some overlaps, etc.? I mean, if they're willing to send a message to you and check out your website, and like it was really nice feedback. So obviously yeah. they care, right? So I mean, exactly. that they're the type of people you want to you want to keep. That so should be a perfect uh, person for your community. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, very good advice, Simon. Thanks very much. Um, so I'd love to get to something that I, I find really interesting, which is how you got started with this battery MBA, this kind of executive online course. Um, super, super interesting. It immediately caught my attention when I heard that this person named Simon and you sent me a message on LinkedIn. I was like, a battery MBA, a battery associate. What is this? So yeah. maybe you could tell me a little bit about it because one of the things we like to do with the strong startup in general is like programs, courses, any opportunity for startups, for entrepreneurs, for someone to excel um, yeah. would be fantastic to share. So let us know a little bit about that. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, I would love to. And this also, I mean, this is a, for me one of my, uh, I, love, I love kind of how this is all going. So essentially, um, so as I mentioned, so I have a technical background, but I did my PhD in Cambridge on lithium-ion batteries, you know, I've been, but I guess also I've been around with my startups, etc. And um, I quickly work for another company. And um, for this company, we actually had an educational budget for, I don't know, a few thousand a year or so. And um, I asked essentially some colleagues, you know, do you, what do you do with that, right? And it seemed like there wasn't really any offering, kind of no course offering, or yeah. people could go to conferences, but you know, I think there's some some debate on how useful some of these conferences are, and um, especially in COVID times, you can't travel. It's at least attractive now for people. And um, yeah, I was just kind of really surprised that there wasn't anything really out there. And then also, I thought, you know, um, who are going to be all our leaders essentially, kind of doing this transition, right? I mean, I spoke about. Um, there's a big transition happening in the mobility space and the stationary space, um, energy grids and all around this. And so who are actually going to be these people, right? And I think I realized a lot of these people are probably quite young. 
they might come from technical backgrounds. They have to go into management positions. They have to become decision makers. So what are like the, this, the toolkit they would need, right? What would be like an ideal program for them? And also for all these people kind of transitioning in their careers, right? We have lots of people from the oil and gas industry moving into renewables and all these people want to transition, you know, and jobs, et cetera, and, you know, really fulfill, you know, these, this big growth area um, potential. And I think, so that's why we started this course. Um, we started this beginning of this year. Um, again, but, you know, I was quite lucky. I had some, some big names, you can call them in my friend group or my, through my, my years of being in, in the rough and working with forums, spheres, et cetera. And I invited them as like, can you please give me one of your lectures? You know, can you be a lecturer for the Better MBA? And was fortunate enough enough confirmed. And again, yeah, a we, very important point where you leverage your network and you brought yeah. in other people to support you to deliver the great content, which I think is, is, is really fantastic. Yeah, I was very lucky they agreed. And I think, you know, again, de-risking it, telling them this is going to be a good thing. <laughs> like, you know, because some of them are like, what is this again, Simon? Like, what, you know. Trust me, trust me. It's exactly. like the battery it's day. Gonna it's going to be okay. It's going to be good. That's usually what I mean. Of course, the more kind of things, that's actually the best way, right? If people kind of have been saying before, this won't work, then yep. you show it works. They don't have this argument anymore. So they become quite yeah. more confident. And it's also momentum, right? Your, your, your battery day, this three hour was like nearly a mini uh, battery MBA, right? It was like a first little test yes, ground and then maybe you, yeah i only mean just in terms of the grand scheme yeah. of what you've now created it's like small steps can build up to something great totally. which is yeah. what you have now yeah absolutely i mean lots of people know me through this battery i'm really surprised i get someone's message like i attended your battery day five months ago and i'm i've been following you ever since and i'm like now i'm ready to participate in this one okay sure sounds amazing i mean wow. of course that um anyways yeah so we're doing this online education um, program it's kind of funny you know it's um it's literally designed from a from an angle of what I would have wished as education. So I was fortunate to teach in Cambridge. I taught some of the battery module there from a technical perspective as well. I also mm. attended lots of other business coaching programs, like business programs, something boot to get camps. his PhDs. Yeah, boot camps. And to be honest, I wasn't impressed by any of them. I was, nobody really was of my friends. So, you know, and I was, I've been back then, I was thinking, well, how can you make this better? And I was, I'm lucky, I'm, I have a good friend who's also involved in battery associates who has been, involved in teaching the um, MBA and executive MBA of Cambridge. And, you know, I leveraged lots of my friends of MBAs, kind of bring them together, what are the things they would have wished. And we brought all this together and kind of created like, what will be an executive program look like for the future for someone in the interested or in the battery space. And that's a few things, right? Like one is continuous learning. So people mm -hmm. um, don't participate once and then they're gone. Actually, if you now join, let's say this cohort, you get all the future lectures. If you join a future lecture, get all the previous lectures and the future lectures. Wow, so that's, that's really special. I think really growing a nice community of people. Another thing is we have a policy or like a quota entire battery associates of 25% women, which also is kind of due to because when we launched ambassadorship, I think within five hours or so, we had like 15 men applying, uh, which are all fantastic, but it took an entire day to get the first woman. I was like, this can't be it. Yep. So I have a quota. Now we're about 35 or between 30 and 40% women. For the Battery MBA, again, went one step further. I said, I also want to have at least 25% women. I got some friends who told me this is impossible um, because really that Probably isn't... Probably pushed you even more to do it, right? <laughs> kind of, yeah. And then, I mean, to be honest, like they had like all this incredible men applying who I didn't accept because I was like, you know, I'm waiting for the woman to apply. No woman ever applied. I was like, okay, let's accept just all the men. In the end, I'm just going to do a scholarship. And um, so we accepted all the men, you know, Great. and then we created a scholarship where we um, essentially balanced it gender-wise. So now we've got 50-50 women, men. So we achieved it. We overachieved what we planned originally. Um, and this was really fantastic um, because this cohort is just wonderful. And um, yeah, so it's now really we have 20, 24 people participating from 12 countries, 50% women. Um, we're fully covered offsetting the team. And yeah, there's lots of things we're doing. We're putting 10% of this money into the battery foundation, which we're building up right now. So just like really building it in, in, a, in a new way, how we believe it. Can um, I ask who, yeah. who those people are? So if, if, if for our audience, who would be interested in, in potentially applying for this? So you have 50-50 gender, which is amazing. Congratulations on that. But yeah. are they all coming from like a battery area, are the engineers or Super what mixed. exactly are they? Yeah. I mean, it's really, I mean, that's why I interview a lot of them, right? I mean, another yeah. fun fact, when I was in an elementary school in Germany, they didn't want to, they didn't want to suggest me. My teachers didn't want to put me to higher education. Uh, they didn't think I should go to a gymnasium and study and all the stuff. They thought I should do more manual stuff. Right. So, so I think I have a very interesting perspective on education yeah, <laughs> because sure. I was fortunate then, you know, to do my path and go to Cambridge and PhD and all the stuff. 
But if you look at my, you know, different steps in life, I think wouldn't have looked that likely. So I think I really, I'm always same as by resources, I always look at the potential. Mm-hmm. So every person who applies, I'm always looking at the potential to, do I feel we can help this person, right? To accelerate yeah. in whatever journey they're on. Um, so we have people, for example, we have people from, we got Hitachi, ABB Power Grids, so the company. I mean, you can find this. We got seven people of them, like senior management as well. Uh, we have people from someone from BP, British Portfolium, you know, is interested in career transitions. We have people from um, automotive sector. And these are all people I mentioned. You can find them all on LinkedIn, right? If you go on Battery, MBA, LinkedIn, we tag these people every week on our posts. And um, so, you know, I'm not saying any secret names. So um, we have people who are doing an MBA right now. We have people doing a PhD right now. We have people who did undergrads. People wow. doing industry, people, lots of people doing their own startups. So it's like a really diverse. We have people from China doing battery recycling over there, battery Crazy. recycling company. Um, so it's like a really interesting mix of people. Um, either people already in the field, people want to join the field. So how we call it is, it's a course for battery enthusiasts. Same for right. battery battery associates. So you don't have to be a battery expert yet, but I mean you have to be excited about it. Yeah, it's a willingness and, you know, to learn, right? Willingness to learn, and from our side, right? We want to. I mean. You know, we want that this going to benefit you. So I think that's what we think about, right? So they, for example, I interviewed someone else who also comes from the oil and gas industry, and he's like, you know, you know, what do you want from me? Like, you know, what do you want? I was like, I want that. I feel this going to help you on your transition. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's I wouldn't accept someone where I feel would be a waste of their time and their money, really, because yeah, um, wouldn't make anybody happy. And in the end of the day, right? I think this program going to be successful long term because of word of mouth, right? Like people going to speak yeah. about it highly. So I want to take people where I feel they're going to benefit and they will like it. Um, otherwise, I don't want someone who's like, oh, this is not what I expected. So um, just, you know, in everyone's interest. So, okay, cool. And I'm like, what kind of topics do you cover exactly? So is it just an introductory kind of course to batteries in general from a technical perspective, but also the business behind uh, batteries and how they're produced, supplied, sold in different industries? I mean, it's quite diverse in a way. So we ha- we came up with like about six lectures, six um, six um, you know six people speaking. Um, we, I think we have about eleven lectures we have, and um, so six of them we had fixed, and the rest we really take the input also from the cohort, right? So we asked mm-hmm. them in the first two weeks, what would you like to learn? Like, what insights would you like to get? Which industry? And then we approach them direct. I mean, I have like a big network, so I can you know tap into that as well. But also we actively approach some people and be like, could you give us a lecture? Or we, you know, we went through our networks. Um, so we have, you know, just given you read like the first one was on finance. We have like one of the biggest investors in Europe in clean tech. I'm um, giving first lecture, and we had a lecture about manufacturing just yesterday. Um, we have one on. I just for next week we have one on mobility um, mm. from from a consultancy perspective as well. We had one on stationary um, energy. We have another one on manufacturing of batteries. We had one. The second one was on policy by someone from former Tesla who. Did like you know research on that on policies around the world and so it's like really interesting. So it's a really I mean how I personally see it, it should be a program for. I mean why, why do you do an executive program? Right, I think there's a few things you want to get out of it. One is um, you want to be able to make decisions. I mean the more higher you get, the more decisions you have to take. So what I kind of want people to get from it that they have seen all these different aspects which might come at them again in the future, and they have like a reference point. Like wait a moment, I had this lecture, I I learned something there. I might not be the biggest expert. But at least I can understand the language to some degree. I think a lot about business and you know it's about language, like understanding languages. So we now essentially trying to teach them the what's the mobility language, what's the stationary application language. It's like a new lens, right? For them to view the world in a way. Exactly. Every week is kind of like a new lens in some way on the same kind of topic area. But it's very different. I mean, yesterday we talked about genetic algorithms, right? I mean, (laughs) that's very different optimization of factories floor space. And I think a lot of people wouldn't like ever think about that if they're not Mm. exactly doing that. But this might will touch probably their business at some other point, or they will kind of understand, wait, why is this your problem? Oh, of course, you didn't have this optimization ready. Okay, I get it. Right, so it's really about this kind of lenses, languages. And then, of course, also have the network, right? I mean, um, there's a video You're building an alumni, building. basically, as well, right? So. We really do, and we, we, I mean, they're all staying part of the same community. We do, every month, we're going to have socials. We invite all the former alumni and all the, we introduce them to the current cohorts. And this, you know, there's a super nice people you can imagine if they do something like this. Um, they're really supportive. They help each other already now with job applications, with career transitions. I mean, you know, you, I mean, you become friends, right? If you do three months every of week, course. you're working with each other, you, you get to know each other quite well. So, um, 
Cool. No, that sounds yeah. really great. And um, maybe you could let us know. I mean, I'll share the links, of course, where everyone can go. But how many batches per year are you doing? Are you doing four, two, three? The, yeah, three. Okay. So we do. I mean, the website is quite simple. It's battery dot mba. Um, so quite straightforward. Cool. And um, yeah, also there's flyer and everything on there. And we do batches three times a year, January to um, uh, March, July to no, sorry, May, May to July, and then September to um, November. Yeah, so okay. it's three months every time. And I mean, one thing I should say, right now we're going through the accreditation program. Um, so this will be the same accreditation also used by University of Cambridge, University of Oxford, wow. University of Economics for their online program. So quite proud that this looks like to go through. I mean, it hasn't gone through, but it's not going to work. You don't, lack, you, don't, you don't lack vision, Simon, for sure. I, I, mean, I really admire right that now. about you. It's cool. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, we are quite deep in the process right now. But I think... Um, so once this is through, we're actually going to double the, the fee. So um, just a little hint. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the only thing I tell people. I mean, like, yeah. day, I, will, I mean, if you decide later, it's probably better for us financially. But, you know, I mean, you're, yeah, from yeah, your yeah. perspective, you probably want to, if you want to do it, you might want to you know, sign up now rather than in a half a year or so. Yeah, like sounds good. I mean, having yeah. that accreditation is a huge deal. I mean, it adds so much more weight and value, not necessarily value in the content because you already deliver great value of course but yeah in terms of the outward facing perspective for future employers or whatever it's a huge huge advantage for those people so and it helps the, right yeah and we got we got there's quite a bit of press coming out and um, a lot of you know interesting people yeah quite in, i think a lot of people are quite intrigued about some of the things how we're doing it right i mean i'm talking to other educational programs like especially like you know university driven etc yeah and um you know even from like eu funding and different ways and often they get told it would take three years to design a course something like this and so yeah. lean, lean startup mentality right <laughs> so it's um i think there's there's yeah. some interesting maybe it's a case study maybe in some way right also how you could build something sure. like this well i mean what i love about what you do is two things i'm really a big fan of is is number one it's a it's a community so you're building this community and number two is you're really like delivering value fast right you're, you're high visibility you've got multiple different arms of your uh, your um your kind of main purpose driving you towards the whatever end goal you're going to have so i'm a big fan of that i think too many startups are quiet too many startups are typing away, developing their business plan and writing a 24 page document that no one's ever going to read. Um, you need to be taking action. So I'm a really big fan of, of how you're approaching it. And I think, um, which we'll come to later again, maybe I'd love to come back to the community aspect because I think that is absolutely critical, like how you're managing your alumni and doing monthly meetups and keeping them active and helping them to help each other. I love all that kind of stuff. I've seen a couple of examples of it. I'm trying to build something myself as well. So this has been already uh, really educational for me as well. So so thanks so much, Simon. Um, I'd love to, to drop, drop in now into the, the startup scene because I think you have a very unique perspective, um, which is starting to, I think, to take, uh, to have a little bit of traction, uh, particularly within Europe and, and also in the States. What is your perspective of, you know, what, what do you think is wrong with the current model of how startups are operated or the, the the startup factory how it's kind of being pushed out right now and this whole idea of like unicorns versus zebras you know balancing profitability with social responsibility and um, maybe you could talk a little bit about what your perspective is within the european market right now yeah i'm happy to i think i mean one thing is I mean, you know, as I mentioned maybe before, I mean, we are a fully bootstrap company, right? So bootstrap startup. Yeah. So we're really reinvesting everything, not taking anything. So we're not taking any outside investment, et cetera. And I think it's quite, and this is quite an active choice in some way. And it's, I mean, mainly it's really about, because we have this mission, you know, and I think it's the best way to execute on our mission. Um, and it's also, I mean, to be honest, I think I would have quite a hard time to convince my friends to volunteer that time if they would feel they would essentially give their time to some VC, right? Yeah. If we would now be highly VC funded, I wouldn't like to help my friend with their startup. If I know they have 5 million in the bank, why should I help them for free, right? You're not working the, for Simon, right? You're working exactly, for someone else, basically. Exactly. And I think right now they know 100% they're working for Simon, or not just for Simon, I think just for the vision as well. I think they're really, and they, and they know I'm, execut I'm ex executing on the vision. And, you know, I think that's part of it. So this really helps me. It's something to consider. It makes it harder, I think. Once you become like, you know, one, like a heavy invested company, yeah. I think what makes it harder actually have people helping you for free. That's one, maybe one consideration. Um, the second thing really is about, um, you know, I think what's the, what's, I mean, I think everyone has to think about what's your, what's your goal really, right? Like, where do you want to be? And I think, you know, if it's really about just like, you know, doing a quick buck or like getting some experience or kind of things here, it really doesn't matter, right? I think 
you can do whatever you want, really. But I think if you think more than 10 years, right, I think if you do a VC-funded startup, you have to, like, you know, have to essentially either sell or go public or do a SPAC these days or whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the timeline, right, for VC, which is fine. This is a model right, which you can choose. But if you don't want to do this, then you have to be quite careful, I think, because um, there is not many other ways, many other ways if you're VC funded, right? What you would do after ten, after 10 years, it's quite clear. Yeah. These are the three options maybe, right? You There's could, not many courses on bootstrapping, put it that way, right? There's plenty of courses on venture deals and venture capital and books and everything, but no yeah. one's out there telling you this is how you bootstrap because it's hard. <laughs> yeah, and also I think, I mean, the one thing also which kind of surprises me always is like, you know, I mean, if you look in just in the media, right? I think people only talk about valuations only. I mean, I also talk about how rich Elon Musk yeah. and his people, right? I mean, yeah. also a lot of people are rich on paper, right? And it's all about valuation, valuation, valuation. And- um, but Wasn't there a famous about... example from Basecamp, if you remember? I think a yeah. couple of years ago, they, they they took some investment and someone bought like zero, it was a joke that they had like a billion dollar investment uh, okay. or valuation. They had like a 0.00001% for $1 mm-hmm. or something, yeah, something Smart. ridiculous. Yeah. Like that. I mean, growth, like go or fall it, right? I think, you know, whatever works, but I think, yeah, I think the, the fixation on valuation, and I think often what I feel is it's not so much about creating value anymore. It's really about you're only working for the valuation and you don't think about, for example, how can you make revenue today? And I think actually making revenue early can be very important for a reason that you get immediately, you know, validation or you get, I mean, I think there's this great resource, right? Like why Combinator, why Combinator Startup School, all these things yeah. where they talk about, right? I mean, you should always charge, right? And it's really, it's really tough. You should always charge because once you charge, people will give you honest feedback. Right? It's a different, it's a different perspective, right? It's just like a free event. You've done this probably free events. People don't respect you. They won't turn up on time. They probably won't turn up at all. There's like a 50% uh, turn up rate when you do like a free uh, event online. So fun I fact, completely agree. Yeah. And fun fact, that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to make the battery day paid. But yeah. we didn't get enough people paid, so we reimbursed the people paid. Actually, we but made that's still a good. That's a good way to do it because they yeah. have to give something and then wait to get it back. And exactly, it's just yeah, a psychological I, switch. Yeah, but I think it's. I, I very much agree on this one. I think you always have to yeah. create these barriers, and of course, sometimes it makes more sense than other times. But I think in general, if you're just building, I mean, to be honest, I, I worked on another startup, like I was in, you know, sort of Cambridge, and I won this nice award to do like hardware development. I know, one like 50,000 pounds or something. And I switched away from this because I, I went through this with many experts and I realized it would probably take me about 10 years to validate if what I wanted to do works. Mm. By this time, I would have to sell most of the company, right? So I would work yeah. for some other people. And, um, and then it might not work. Yeah. And I thought, do I really want to do this in my lifetime? Is this like, is my life, you know, long? And I mean, do I want to spend this time? And I didn't want to. And that's why I went away from this, which was really tough. I mean, I had a safe bet. I had like really nice funding labs and everything already. Yeah. Um, but I just decided my personal time is more valuable than any other people's valuation or like, you know, big, big company. People say it's the most valuable thing you have, full stop, right? Your time. It's the only thing we really have, right? Yep. I mean, end of a day, we're all going to die. And then, you know, what we had to then was time. And yep. um, we used it in different ways maybe, but I think, um, yeah, that's, that's. Yeah, is- but. I, I would build on what you said about revenue that like, my God, it's like the most important thing that people should forget about funding, forget about whatever, consider revenue you're funding because you get two birds at one stone, like you said, where you get the validation yep. and you get like you know, with, with honest feedback and you also learn so much more, but also generate money. Like that's, that's like the most important thing when people are pushing their timeline for their MVP, like for like a year ahead because they want to wait till it's perfect and then get 5 million funding and go ahead. It just really frustrates me because uh, I think that perspective of doing even a paid pilot, like you're putting in a lot of work, you're, 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 it's exploratory, but you're trying to generate revenue or generate, sorry, a value for a customer. You should be paid for that full stop. And if you don't ask, you won't get right. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, that's really, you know, I mean, I have this kind of joke with my team and I think it's always tough to kind of try and to beat that we make more revenue than we could get in funding at the same time. And to be honest, (laughs) you know, it's probably not really feasible, but I think, um, good to have the standard set high, right? This is really important. That's always important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think on the other hand, right. I mean, for me, if you can manage to, I mean, it's, it's tough. And I tell you, I mean, it's not easy. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, but I think if you, um, if you can create enough money, by doing like, you know, by for your product, whatever you're developing um, and pay your team, then you're, you can just be sustainable. I think it's, it's, it's a very good thing, right? And then you have to yeah. think about, 
um, if you can hire, you know, if you get more money, of course, you could hire some more people, maybe, but then you also have to be able to handle all those people and things. And I think I'm always thinking 10 years, right? I mean, for me, really, Barry yeah. shows it's something which, you know, I think my exit plan would be to die, right? And I mean, we'll see how this all goes, but I think... Um, it's the same for me. I, don't, yeah. I see it. I want to build like... I call it an empire, but an empire sounds wrong. It's like, I want to build this global community of people and help people on the maximum level. And I don't see myself ever stopping that. So good to yeah, hear I that. I mean, good company. Yeah, and I think, I mean, for you, I mean, for me personally, really, it's like, you know, I, I personally, it's, it's always good to have some goals. It doesn't have to be the final ones, but I think it's good to yeah. have some goals on the journey. And I just thought like, you know, what do I want to work for? And I, I really want to work for something I believe makes sense. And I don't want to work for, um, essentially, I think as an entrepreneur, as a true entrepreneur, right, you don't want to work. Why would why would you create money for other people, right? Um, let's say investors or something. Why not create money for your teams, creating more jobs, yeah. creating like, more why, why give it away, right, in that sense? Exactly. If you can, right? And I think and the problem is, right, it's very challenging. I mean, you know, of course, now it really changed kind of how we approach it, right? I mean, we started now with education. Now we started doing software. We're also doing hardware at the same time. So we're now slowly moving into some of more these like, you know, investment heavy topics. Yeah. Um, because we now have a team which we can then finance through this other product, um, which then allows us more like, you know, room for this and then this other race. And I think it really changes, like, that's, I'm just finding it quite curious, right? I think lots of companies, um, startups could be paid for something they do. I think it would just be a, a fun exercise, right? It might not work for everyone. I'm sure it doesn't yeah. for many things. But I think also many startups could be paid for something early on. And just finding this, I think, would be quite nice because you learn so much from it. You learn how marketing works, like how sales works, how yep. you like build something people pay for. I think there's a lot of learnings you do. Um, and I mean, I don't want to, you know, if somebody wants to raise lots of money, that's absolutely fine with me, right? That's that's people's sure. decision. But I think then you just want to be aware of what's your long-term plan. And if it's like to flip something, you know, in 10 years, you know, great. Um, but if you want to build something long-term um, beyond that, then you have to think about, you know, how this, how would this would look like? Yep. No, I think I think practically every startup could could generate some money. I mean, even in medtech, right? There's opportunities for consulting. There's opportunities for. I think the expectation of the value that you need to create for the customer before they pay you is often too high. They think they have to have the finished product, but that's yep. the finished product with all the bells, whistles, features, and all the stuff that's not really needed. All the cosmetic stuff. And if they just yep. lower their expectations, it's pretty easy to be able to. I think not easy, but it's it's achievable to be able to get revenue within even your first year. Uh, absolutely. I think it is. Yeah, and I think what. One thing, I mean, I always tell, you know, when I today I had another conversation with a potential big client for some hardware we work on, I think, and he always said, like, you know, please, let's, you know, what's really the crappiest thing I could sell you? <laughs> like, you know, what's, what's like the worst you would give me? Money yeah, for? that's the lean startup 101, exactly. right? It's yeah, like, but it's really, but I think, but I think when you be honest and you just tell them, right, they become really nice because they're like, that's a good point. Yeah, we, then they really try to work with you <laughs> to find that, right? Like, to be like so really yeah. make them part of your team, right? I think. Um, don't be ashamed. Right? Don't try to gloss them. You're going to build the biggest, most profit. Tell them this is our mission. That's where we want to go. At some point, hopefully, we can offer you that. But let's tell you if we, I mean, but the cool thing is this way. If they want this, what you have planned for the long term so badly yeah. that they're willing to essentially support you by buying your crappy early product or like, you know, first product, then you know you're in for a winner, right? Because they won't leave yeah. you, right? Because they're in for this final thing, but they know by helping you now, you're going to create them what they want later on. And even yep. then they will help you to build this kind of be the first version and they hopefully give you some money, et cetera. So um, really make your customers your partners. I think that's the yeah. part of it as well. Yeah. I mean, it nearly comes back to the idea of a collaboration, right? And networking and building this community around it. So um, if we still have time, because I know you might have a hard finish, do you have five or 10 more minutes? Yeah, okay? we're good. Yeah. Uh, we have time. Yeah, I don't know. Perfect. Thank you very much. Yeah. Really appreciate it, Simon. So um, this is a big topic for me. Um, I'm reading at the moment the, the Startup Community Way by Brad Fell from, from, from Techstars. So do you have any like tips or advice around how a startup could build a community? I see this in the same, like, overlooked step about generating revenue as early as possible that they also should be doing meetup groups they should be doing webinars they should be delivering value to customers or their community as much as possible and then like you said those people that give you information about your privacy policy on a linkedin message on your website you should probably take those people and say hey let's let's see if we can collaborate here and work together yep. so maybe do you have some tips about how you build your community or how a startup should maybe get started about increasing their visibility and building that community. 
And for me, this is a lot LinkedIn, to be honest. Um, mm. So I, um, I became quite active on LinkedIn now. And I think there's, there's few like, you know, my tips would be, for example, between, I don't know, like in the last five months, you know, I, I think I, for my LinkedIn, I had like about 7,000 connections five months ago. I think now I have about 17,000. You exploded. Um, like, <laughs> so, that's crazy. And this is, but this is very actively, right? So I would go, for example, to the company pages, the companies I want to do deals with in the future. And I would like add every one of them, right? Like hundreds. Nice. I, I did that before. <laughs> it systematically works very well. Yeah. And it's just like, but you do this at the companies and I do this like, you know, this week I want to get to know this company. I would mm -hmm. add 50 of them. Mm-hmm. And then you can, you can also strategically, right? Like who do you add first? There can be some strategy. Yeah. Might not want to start with the CEO, but you can, you know, do it later. And um, yeah, and then you build this, right? So this was quite powerful. And then what I do is every week we have like a post and we're quite string, like quite clear on this. Every post, usually either Wednesday or Thursday, I do an update of what we have been up to the past week, right? That's cool. Um, and that's really, really powerful because people love momentum and everyone does. And it doesn't matter if you're, you know, if you're a company or a volunteer or individual, everyone loves momentum. So just show there's lots of stuff happening that gets people excited. Then, for example, for community on Battery Associates on the LinkedIn page, um, most of the weeks we are, we are highlighting one of our, two of our ambassadors, always a woman and a man. Um, and we just highlight the white people who joined us. This gives us so much traction for other yeah. ambassadors because they're they multipliers, see, right? Yeah. I mean, every one of them, you know, I mean, I can see, and then they sometimes reshare it. They get 50 likes from all their people. And suddenly we get from their company, five new people applying to join or whatever, you know, like get to know us, who are you commenting? So I think just, this is quite powerful. Like, you know, I think LinkedIn in general is one of these platforms where essentially without any money, I think I went for a pro account with like, you know, 10 bucks a month or something. But I think other than that, you don't have to spend any ad money like you would do for Facebook or Instagram, et cetera. There's a really good organic reach. It's very organic. I mean, very I think my usually on average now, every post has over 10,000 views, you know, every yeah. week. The yeah, only thing that's better yeah. is TikTok, but the audience is not the exact same. I would exactly. argue that the audience is still very good because I've had yeah. a massive amount of interesting contacts. Yeah. But you know, LinkedIn, I mean, they're all there. They're all the yeah. professionals are there. They they're, you know, it's they're just waiting for you to and post. You don't have something. to do videos, right? I mean you could just do a post. Yeah. I mean, it takes you less time, I think. I mean, for my perspective, I don't know. It depends on what you like, but I mean you can just yeah. do a, I usually do one photo, also three, only use three um Hashtags, right? Hashtags is important. And then also yeah. get as many people as you can comment. Like in the first two hours, that's the most important. Yeah. Try to get about 20 comments and or so. And use hashtags that have actually people following them because I see people creating hashtags. For nothing, um, like, yeah. you know, that just don't have anyone looking at it, which means it's just like a search way. Uh, you know, no one's going to be able to find you. But, Absolutely. but that's a really good point regarding, regarding LinkedIn. I think it's just the consistency is important. I might even, I thought about it before, but I might bring it back where I just do a very quick video, like my highlights from the week, you know, what I learned yeah. and what was surprising for me. That's actually really nice stuff to, to consider for future. If you do it every week, it really helps. And then what helps really is to, so I now also have a comment where I tag all the people. And I mean, the, the nice thing, of course, it gets easier to get trending. That's, you know, what yeah. you have enough comments on, on, on LinkedIn, um, if you have a community, right? Because now I think I'm tagging 60 people every time because these are all the people working with yeah. us with battery sources, yeah. right? I mean, the more you have, the easier it gets really. In the beginning, I mean, essentially how I got our battery day, like, you know, how we got 720, whatever registration, like, you know, LinkedIn within four days was because I, one of my good friends, he, he has like this kind of, you know, friend group and he convinced them all to comment on my post. And we had like, you know, 20 <laughs> comments within an hour and then suddenly went trending and boom, and suddenly you had all the signups. So yeah, these kind of small things, you know, I think you can just spend a, a bit of time on and it's probably worth an investment just from time. It doesn't money-wise, no investment, yeah. but time-wise. I think people underestimate and overcomplicate content marketing yeah. or content. It doesn't have to be I perfect, mean, right? People uh, don't care. Um, yeah. Just put it out there and do it every week, whatever. Exactly. Even, even if it's just once a week, it's just that consistency builds over time. It's and just at least you become powerful. better. You will definitely become better. Hundred um, percent. And then another thing is also Clubhouse. You know, both yeah, using you've it, talked think, about that before privately, where you said there's a massive amount of conversion for traffic and stuff like that, right? Plus, it's really powerful. Yeah, I mean, also here SEO optimization, right? I mean, yeah, if you have fun. Look up Herbert Dees on, on Clubhouse right now. Um, see who you find, right? I mean, I think there's some fun things Simon. you can just <laughs> surprise. <laughs> but I think, I mean, just like some small things and you can spend a bit of time or like, I mean, I get now recommended by Clubhouse to so many people. Um, yeah. I got a very long bio and it's a lot of keywords in there. 
you know, just stuff like this. Just think, I mean, even like... Can I ask you about how to get started? Because I'm I'm getting started now on Clubhouse. Yep. I'm going to start to do a weekly, but I have like 100 following, right? So we, we tried one and no one turned up, basically. So do you have any recommendations of how, like, should I invite you, for example, to one of my Clubhouses because you have a following, I think, of almost 2,000 or more? Yep. Like, how, how do you grow from zero? Or is it just consistency with the good SEO in your bio and then over time, like LinkedIn, once per Friday, Alan, every Friday, Alan is there at 12 o'clock and then it just grows from there. Yeah. And just like, you know, make use your friends. I mean, I'm sure you have enough friends who could bother and say you just no put them into Simon. I'm <laughs> no, but I think, you know, enough people. And I think, yeah, and make a it point. a win win for other people as well. Right. I think, yeah, um, has I to mean, be value, I, right? That's be value for everyone. Um, create value. Uh, for us, I mean, we do every week, yeah, very consistent every Saturday. I do this with another person that always helps tremendously. You know, one plus one becomes three and four, whatever. Yeah. So I think have one other, it's amazing to host thing. It makes a huge difference, I think, in everything you do. I mean, I also mentioned to you privately by like our chief of staff, like in a team, it's having someone you really, can, like, you know, you can work with really closely yeah. and are very aligned with. I think, um, so my recommendation would probably be like find a co-host. Um, this will already help, you know, to for some, I mean, I can always recommend it for a woman. That's, I think it's, it's in general a good idea. Yeah. Um, and then co-host and just like, you know, get people in. And I think, yeah, it's, you know, I think it's, it's consistency really. And, um, and, and get started, and, right? <laughs> and get started really, right? And don't be scared. And I mean, be by yourself. I mean, I've done so many things where I was the only one. It yeah. still happens sometimes. I organize something. I think it's a fantastic idea. I think everyone should care. Nobody cares. It's fine. Yeah. You know, I think you should, we should never be too great for that and i think it's a numbers game right in the end yeah in some way it is yeah and i think you know so some things don't work like twitter didn't work for me really you know TikTok didn't really i mean i've never really tried but it wouldn't be my thing it works for you i think it's yeah. also good to find your medium not everyone has to be on everything like i'm very happy now i got linkedin i got clubhouse that's enough yeah. for me social media wise very good to be active on um i'm really thank thankful that you said that simon because you know i'm a big fan of gary vinderchuk right and gary v and, and everything he says and you know he rightly says that you should be kind of on every platform in a way if you can repurpose your content in the best situation but i doubled down on tiktok and it's been a massive help for me and the conversion rate uh, without doing too much work on my youtube channel has been really 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 good um, and yeah. so I, I can agree with you that i think starting on one channel you're most comfortable with which i think is something that gary v also says um, is good to get your momentum to find your to find your flow and get your consistency build the habit and then later on you can always expand to the other platforms that you're not as comfortable with right and another thing is it's not just a numbers game either right i think um, you know, you mentioned YouTube, but you know, all those things. I mean, I also did a YouTube thing before, etc. And I think what, what is interesting sometimes, right, it's just to have it really, right? I mean, I think you can also build other things from it. Like if someone else comes and be like, I'm very interested in what you do, you know, and they're like, here's my YouTube link. And like, it has maybe like 20 views, but who cares? They get information out of it, right? I think um, sometimes you also get a bit fixated just on numbers and not so much about value recreating. Yeah. And I think if you create value, you can... You can use this many other ways rather than just the classic, you know, acquisition of people and whatever. You can also target use some of these content. Yeah. Um, for, for me, it's about for me, it's about comments. So, I mean, that yeah. that's what I that that drives me. I mean, I love when a video gets one hundred and fifty thousand views on TikTok, right? Because it means that more people are seeing my content, and that's great. And hopefully, they're getting value from it. But for me, everything goes down in the DM. You know, someone yeah. direct messages me or comments and says, "Hey, look, this content's great." I have a question. Can you make a video about this? Um, yep. And this is this is really the value, right? Because people are reaching out, and you can help those people. So absolutely the same for me. Yeah, I think exactly. I think becomes really valuable right once you have people contacting you be like wow i listened to this it was really powerful yeah. and that's for example with clubhouse and linkedin it just happens a lot and i can yeah. and that's like a direct thing right where someone contacts me like i listened to you i found it really inspiring i will definitely be there again next week stuff like this really right where you feel like okay you're actually providing some real you know some value for people yeah, um, yeah. that's fantastic can i ask very briefly do you have another platform where you put your community so do you have anything like slack or slack yeah, uh, all the you have way. slack right and you have like a simple channel structure where basically everyone can just be onboarded and then bam they can ask questions here they have tools over here and and everyone that goes through just your courses go there or is anyone connected to battery associates so we have three slacks but now um oh, wow so we are, i mean just <laughs> you always do things big simon huh i don't know if, <laughs> but like it's it's i really don't want to because i have like too many slacks anyways but i think yeah so we have one for battery associates to just run the company right and all those volunteers and we have like secret channels for ambassadors advisors and different yeah. things then we have the battery mba 
Slack um, where we run it and have like, you know, each court has their own secret channels and things like that. Um, cool. And then we have now a battery dev, like this, we started this week a new global battery developer competition, which also was one of these things I was like, will this work? Will this not work? Let's just try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now yeah, we have yeah. so many amazing people. I'm feeling so blessed and um, it's super, super amazing how many people are coming together. So, um, and so much interest also from other places. So I think, um, yeah, we have three now. I hope won't become too many more. Um, we also started building, we have our own platform for another startup. I've been, um, you know, I, I started um, four years ago, but we really started as a company, let's say, a few months ago as well, um, called Serity, where we kind of bring people together. It's, it's used mainly by members of the Global Shapers community, which I'm wow. also a member of. And we had now users, we have users in um, two, over 200 cities and over 100 countries worldwide. Um, wow. So that's quite cool. And we're matching them um, for conversation, tournament conversations. So we also now start using this tool for battery associates. And so it's also kind of fun, you know, you start different companies and you don't really know how they're going to yeah, link they up. they overlap, and then, right? <laughs> and suddenly, yeah, it happens. So that's cool. Another thing I also want to really mention is, you know, HubSpot, I found very powerful. Um, yeah, this is going to be my next question about yeah. like different platforms or tools that you'd recommend for entrepreneurs. So tell me, tell me about HubSpot. Yeah. One sec. Um, yeah, take water. your time. Sorry. Um, Quick water break. <laughs> Important, yeah. I mean, HubSpot is, I think, very powerful. I mean, CRM, I can't, uh, um, how do you get, I'm just listening to the word. What is a CRM again? It's um, a contact relationship. Oh, um, CRM, right? Yeah, CRM. What's the contact? I don't know. So, con uh, contact, contact sounds a bit awkward, management. but it's something like, yeah, yeah to, to build your relationships essentially with people. Yeah. Um, and something like Salesforce, essentially, right? Exactly. It's the, yeah. it's probably like a little, little sibling of Salesforce. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's free, you know, for most use cases. Um, it might be interesting. We also think about upgrading, but we have been using it for the free so far. You know, you can do wow. quite a lot with it. Um, I use it to book my meetings. You know, I have my meeting registration page for that for free. Um, cool. We use it to uh, manage all our members and like, you know, do all our interview processes. We have like a nice kind of flow for, because we, I mean, I don't do all the interviews, right? So mem ambassadors and community managers, all these people do interviews with the member applicants of Battery Associates. and this entire deal flow in a way of people, it's all run through um, HubSpot review system, people, comments on people, um, also now deal financial deals. I mean, you can do all this stuff with it. It's quite powerful, wow, even with the free cool. version. So um, I'm using Excel right now to keep track of all my, my private coachings and stuff. Just Google Sheets because it was yeah, easy, no, but I'm going to switch. Do yeah. HubSpot. It's really, it's, yeah. um, it just really will help you and it's cool. You can do tasks and especially once you add one more person, I can tell you this one because it's fun to do I think, I mean, access spreadsheet works for two or three people, but once you go beyond that, it just gets a real mess. Mm. Um, and we still use Excel for some things, you know, there's, there's benefits to it. Um, but in general, if you want to really scale and get people involved, yeah, something like fix, HubSpot. Yeah, you can upload, I think, your Excel tables to HubSpot, so you can integrate Sweet. it. Sweet, that'd be great. No, no, I'm, I'm very interested in generating a database and doing some analysis and keeping track of people in a more kind of a, um, in a more systematic way. So that's really cool. Yeah, and you can like directly have your forms on your website and have directly people in HubSpot. They just register there for a newsletter, for example. Then you run this through HubSpot and stuff. So I think there's cool. some powerful stuff you can do. Nice. Amazing. Thanks, Simon. That's a that's really, really great uh, suggestion. I think I'm going to personally use a lot of the tips from LinkedIn and from everything else for I'm going to create a Slack group and then I'm also going <laughs> to uh, register on HubSpot. So <laughs> I'm glad. To, I mean, I'm excited to see. I mean, just try, you know, I mean, I mean, yeah. I think, you know, I mean, you know this yourself, but I think, you know, um, I think the moment you are not, I, I think there's like this obsession with failure, right? People are so scared and I think, I totally get it, right? I think we're very, um, yeah. we're living in a, in a you know, it's, it's, it's all about performance and always success, et cetera. Yeah. But I mean, you can ask any person. I think I saw this great um, meme, I think today from failure, right? Like one is you have all those failure blocks and they're kind of weighing on you. Another one is you build your own, like, you know, staircase out of failure mm -hmm. blocks, let's say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I can completely confirm and attest to that, right? I mean. You could definitely look at my life as a, as a string of failures or you could look at it like you know it's a growth period right in some way yeah um i mean everything you do if you don't fail you probably take it too easy and you don't you know push enough um, yeah so that, i completely agree with that whether it's my own personal workouts or whatever it is uh, even with startups and stuff it's the same thing unless you're pushing yourself a little bit and going beyond your what you think are your limits um to the point where you're going to fail I think that's when that's when learning stops if you don't push yourself that far, you know. Yeah. So and don't be reckless at the same time, right? I yeah. think 
that's that's a balance to write like what's okay to fail and of course you should always the last thing but always make sure that you are fit you know you're healthy you know yeah. i think you're the most don't important drive asset. on the autobahn if you don't have a license right <laughs> exactly yeah and i think it's yeah. I think, you know, being in a good space and it's probably like the most important, especially as a founder, it's a lot of pressure yeah. to make sure you have your own times, so like, you know, if your own support systems, tremendous export important. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, just have fun with it. I think at the end of the day, you know, we got a lifetime, um, you know, to come back to the time thing, right? So how you want to spend it, it's everyone's choice. Nobody else really cares. You know, some people think yeah. other people care, but many people care about others' lives. You know, it's, it's really, we all have our individual journeys and there's a lot of conversions, but in the end of the day, it's your own choice. How are you going to spend it? Um, they just make the best of it. You feel most happy with. Yeah, that's a fantastic way, I think, to, to close this very insightful podcast. So thank you very much, Simon. I really, really appreciate it. I'll share all the links. I mean, it's great that you have the background. People definitely know the name Battery <laughs> Associates now, so it's super sure. easy. But I'll share the links for your your hub spot, your, sorry, your hub spot uh, but also then the different websites that you have for, for Battery Associates, for the uh, Battery MBA, so that people can get in contact with you and your LinkedIn as well. So that people can, yeah, please. can go LinkedIn see how many... Yeah. Let's see how many people contact me from that. Exactly, right? <laughs> and if you do, please write it in there. I mean, I don't, what should I write in? Like, Alan, or should I, what's the, what's the podcast called again? Uh, the Strong Startup. Strong Startup. So please, yeah. Yeah, if, you, if you, you know, if you, if you want oh, to Oh, of course. Me I mean, before we, before we publish it, I'll definitely make sure to use your 17,000 plus LinkedIn supporters <laughs> for sure. Exactly. But yeah, Thank make you sure that much. you just, yeah, just write in Strong Startup. I know where you're coming from. Have yeah. a good chat. Yeah, that's great. And just one last very, very quick point. That's actually my uh, uh, purpose behind the podcast as well, is that you're a multiplier, right? The guests are more expertise uh, than I have uh, in different areas. So this is why it's all, always a really nice format to do because it's easy to record. It's a great conversation. I enjoy it. And then everybody else gets to see it as well, which is which is a fantastic way. But Simon, thanks so much. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, we'll we'll talk soon. All right. Sounds great. Perfect. Have a good day. Cheers.